on this episode of the Answers on Aging podcast. Just like that kind of stigma um, and just avoidance of that hard conversation can be applied to the the hard conversation and the stigma around mental illness and less than ideal mental health. And so it's important for you to recognize how much your mental health directly impacts your physical health. Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal, and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real life, real-time issues, and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That's right. This is the Answers on Aging podcast, and my name is Todd Watley, and as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning us in. We've been a little sporadic here lately. I'm sorry. That's a lot my fault, but we still have episodes coming out, and we appreciate you listening, and as always, I am here with my co-host, Sarah Scott. Hello, Todd Watley. Welcome, everybody, back to the Answers on Aging podcast where we truly do give you all the answers that you need so that as you age, you can do so prepared, educated, and as smoothly as it can be. Because things don't get easier as we get old, turns out. Well, that's the truth. So, yes, every episode we try to bring you real-life information about something pertaining to either legal, financial, medical all types of issues. Today we're going to be talking about what role does mental health play in caregiving and why it is so important and um, what we can do to maybe improve that aspect of our lives. Yeah, you know, Sarah and I both work with seniors and their families and we see almost in every case where the caregiver is struggling mm-hmm. physically, mentally, sometimes financially. And so today we would like to talk about um, the mental health issue mm-hmm. of that and encourage the family caregivers or just caregivers, even if it's not a family member, to think about this and get some help. Yeah. We also want to help kind of debunk the stigma around just a conversation about mental health. People just like aging issues, you know, take incontinence, for example. It amazes me how a group of parents of toddlers can sit around the dinner table and talk about potty training their kid and accidents and all the kind of, I wouldn't consider it dinner table appropriate topics, Mm -hmm. but it's accepted. But when you kind of reverse the role and the kid is caring for the parent and their incontinence issues, 
don't think I've ever sat at that table where that conversation is taking place. Yeah, that's taboo <laughs> for so, some reason. You know, <clears throat> just like that kind of stigma um, and just avoidance of that hard conversation can be applied to the the hard conversation and the stigma around mental illness and less than ideal mental health. And so it's important for you to recognize how much your mental health directly impacts your physical health. It's yeah. huge. It's direct connection. It is. It is a direct connection and it also is directly connected to your performance. And, you know, there's a, an episode we did, gosh, I feel like it's been way back where I compared being a, a mom to boys who are in sports yeah. and caregiving. Um, your performance as a caregiver is, is going to be a lot less helpful. It's going to be a lot less safe. And it's just simply not going to be as good if you don't have a good hold on your mental health. And so we want to encourage our listeners to... If you haven't ever ventured out into the world of psychotherapy, seeing a therapist or going to counseling or even a support group, um, take a look at that. See what that looks like. Not only from, you know, your threshold comfort standpoint of even reaching out to a clinic or a, a private professional who provides those services, but you know, get yourself in check so that you can say when you do finally decide to get there, okay, this is what I think I'm struggling with. And and then let the professional do their job, what they specialize in to help identify where these issues are coming from and how to work through them. Yeah. I mean, they can give you pointers on how to help yourself, how to help the one that you're caring for. Mm -hmm. You know, they've researched that and they understand that mental illness and they can help you not struggle all the time. Yeah. And one of Sarah's biggest things, and we talked about this this morning on the radio show, was how probably the most common thing is you argue with a person who's obviously incorrect their parent is not alive. Their parent is not coming to visit them this afternoon because they've been dead for 30 years. And you trying to argue with them and tell them your mom is dead. She's mm -hmm. been dead for 30 years does absolutely no good. It doesn't. It actually does harm instead of in, you know, anything else. And what's difficult for the caregivers to really grasp, and it's it's more common, I think, especially amongst adult you know, adult kids who are the caregivers for a parent is that they've grown up with this parent their entire lives. This dad looks the same as he always has, a little bit older, but in general, he looks pretty much the same. And so since he looks normal, he should have normal thought processes and he we should be able to have a normal conversation. And it's hard because that adult child sees dad being normal and can't really work through that to meet him where he is in his mind to help validate, help soothe, and and make that exchange positive instead of creating more anxiety for you and for dad. Yeah. It's, it's a lose-lose when you do that. And mm -hmm. so 
being aware of different specialized services that can help you process what is actually going on, not just in your mind, but in dad's world, um, is going to be one of the first steps to creating an environment and an exchange that is not negative, that doesn't create anxiety, and that makes life a whole lot easier as the caregiver and for your dad or mom. Sure. And if you're feeling a little stressed out and feeling, you know, like, do I have a mental issue going on? Am I the only one going through this? Please understand Mm -hmm. you're not. Here's some very interesting statistics. At least 8.4 million people in the U.S. provide care to an adult with mental or emotional health issues. That's dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. Caregivers of adults with mental and or emotional health issues spend an average of 32 hours per week providing unpaid care. That's almost a full-time job. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, pretty much. And that's on top of your full-time job. Yeah, on top of what else you're doing, dealing with your family, Mm -hmm. your job, and now 32 hours with them is, that is stressful, okay? Mood disorders are the most common cause of hospitalization for all people in the U.S. under the age of 45 once you take out pregnancy and birth. So after pregnancy and birth, mood disorders are the number one cause of hospitalization. Well, and a mood disorder can a lot of times be tied directly to someone who is a caregiver Mm -hmm. because... I mean, you're angry, you've got anxiety, that could lead to depression and so many other comorbidities that could be, if not resolved, at least remedied and manageable with the help of a mental health professional. And so if you haven't um, looked into different types of support groups, we found a resource at aarp.org that talks about the different types of support groups that you can consider. And just like specialized areas in law or medicine, there are specialized areas in different types of support groups. So maybe you're not quite comfortable in that one-on-one setting with a therapist just yet. This will let you kind of stick your toe in the water, check the temp, see what it kind of feels like. Mm -hmm. For me, the first support group I ever went to was incredibly eye-opening, and I was very hesitant to, to do that. Mm-hmm. I was basically told by my boss at the time, mm-hmm. you need to get some counseling. Mm-hmm. Here's a support group. Here's a therapist. Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wasn't ready to do the one-on-one thing yet with a therapist, but by... Just trying out the support group, it made me a little more comfortable over time, and I am a huge advocate now for one-on-one therapists. Okay. So regarding support groups, mm-hmm. what is some of the common objections that I hear is I don't feel comfortable talking in groups. Yeah. Well, so one good thing about support groups is that typically um, you'll have maybe a a coach or a partner or a subgroup within that larger group Mm -hmm. that you can have either smaller one-on-one encounters with or in a smaller group setting. So for example, 
for uh, caregiver groups for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Let's just use that umbrella. There could be a smaller subgroup within that one support group that is caregivers who are adult children. And then there's caregivers who are spouses. And then there's a professional paid caregiver. Mm-hmm. And so you can be in the same environment with people in your situation and really draw off of those experiences. Well, I think most group leaders will tell you, first off, you don't have to talk. You don't. You, you don't. show up and just listen, and yeah. you'll, number one, hear, I'm not in this. I'm, I'm not the only one going through this. Right. Which is huge. Yeah. And then you'll listen to people. They will not make you talk. Mm -mm. But once you listen, you'll learn things from listening. But then eventually I think you'll then see these people not as a stranger, a group of strangers, but Mm -hmm. as people that you now know, Mm -hmm. you know their situation. And I think you will eventually start to talk. But if if you're not a group talker, that's fine. Just show up Mm -hmm. and learn from other people. Mm -hmm. And like Sarah said, if it does break down into smaller groups, maybe just you and the coach Mm -hmm. by yourself, it's just a tremendous benefit. It is. And when I used to facilitate a dementia support group and we would have a room full of people. I mean, there's usually between, 20 to 25 people who would show up and they were pretty vocal, but there were a handful who for the first few weeks would not share anything other than my name is Brenda and my husband is 75 and just diagnosed with vascular dementia or, you know, very, very brief general and nothing else. But she was taking notes and she was listening and she was, you know, I feel like she was empathizing mm-hmm. with them. And sure. finally, she came out of her shell and, and felt safe and comfortable and got a whole lot out of just attending and listening and not sharing all those really personal things for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. So so the next um, objection that some people say, it's like, and this was me, mm-hmm. I'm doing fine. I don't need support. Yeah. I'm doing fine. I don't need anybody else to know about this, and I don't need any help. So why should that person go to a group? Well, because they need it the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you you may actually be doing okay at that time, but I can tell you, we can tell you, having done this for so many years and working with so many families, there's going to be a point when you're you're not doing fine. Right. It's going to pile up. It's going to be an issue. And just like we said before, going there, you'll learn some things. Mm-hmm. You may think I I got this handled. Yeah. But I promise you, you'll learn something. Or maybe you can help someone yeah. in that group if if you're truly doing fine and you're knocking this out of the ballpark. Hallelujah! Help somebody else do that. Help too. somebody else do yeah. that. So yeah. you, you you may not be the one getting help, but you can provide help. And if For you're sure. truly doing well, help others. But chances are, yeah. there's going to be a time when this all mm-hmm. avalanches on you, and you're like. I need some help and you're there. You're, you're in the group that people know you Mm -hmm. and they will help you and get you through this situation. Yeah. The other, you know, kind of excuse to not join a support group or to not go see a mental health professional is, 
when on earth am I going to find time to do that? I'm a full-time caregiver. I also maybe have a job or some kids to take care of. And there's no way I could manage one more thing fit into my day. And I'm certainly not going to do it for mental health. (laughs) Okay. If you could see Sarah's face. Here's the thing, a lot, especially for our elderly population and when it comes to like disease-specific support groups, um, many times they will have a different room or a, a sitter, so to speak, or a caregiver that is provided in order for you to be able to come. Mm-hmm. Prime example, I had an adult daycare, and we would host a support group And many of our participants, spouses, and caregivers attended. And the only reason that they started coming to the adult day program was through the support group because they knew they were safe. Mm -hmm. And it would start out and they would stay with us the hour. And then they would say, hey, that little break, even though I was doing something productive, Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice. Can can we bring them back and leave them for maybe a couple of hours next month so I can get some grocery shopping done or whatever? But So there are answers to basically every excuse for you not taking care of your mental health. Very well put. Okay. And then the other, there's another resource um, that is... NAMI.com. It's N-A-M-I.org. I'm sorry. It's .org. That's from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And it basically gives you some statistics about different types of um, mental illness issues based on your demographics. Yeah, those the statistics I used at the beginning came from that NAMI. website. Yeah. So NAMI is a great place for statistics, for articles, education. I mean, it's, it is a great resource and they have local support groups. Yes, they do. You can find your own local support group. You just either click on your state or type in your zip code and boom, a list will just pop up. We ought to have Miss Ledbetter on to talk about that in detail. Mm-hmm. She is. She is the local president or something of of NAMI. And so, yeah, we will try to have a particular guest on just that and talk about that. But Mm -hmm. all right. I think that I think we got the point across that um, if you're doing fine, help others. Mm -hmm. But chances are you're not. You Mm -hmm. you you can use some help. You can use some support and you don't have to go one on one to a therapist and spend a whole lot of money. Maybe you should, but if that's not your first step, get into a support group. They are typically free, mm-hmm. and you can teach and you can learn. And we have found pretty much everybody who goes says, man, that has been a huge help to me. I didn't want to go at first, mm-hmm. but they do it, and they benefit from it. So mm-hmm. we would encourage you, please get the help. This is a marathon process for you. You're going to deal with this all the way up until the end, and you need some support. Just like a marathon runner needs some water and some support along the process, so do you. That's right. So hopefully you will push pause and look up these websites, find the mental health professional near you, and then you can go to our website and talk about how much better you're doing. (laughs) 
Perfect. That'd be great. Yeah, let us know. Be our success story. That's right. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Please share this with friends and family that are going through this. And um, that that way you can blame it on us, not yourself. Say, hey, I just heard this great podcast Mm -hmm. and and I think you might get something from it. And and just send it to them and let them listen. And then hopefully they'll go back over previous episodes we we use it all the time in the office oh yeah it is a huge referral to say hey you have questions about that here's the quick answer but if you want the extended answer Mm -hmm. go to episode so and so of our podcast yeah so we hope you're getting a whole lot of help with the aging process through this podcast and keep coming back to us every week and we'll talk to you next week okay thanks bye thank you for listening to the answers on aging podcast with todd and sarah Be sure to hit subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about this episode, visit AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the show notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging, to catch a live feed of their radio show every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please, let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.